the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. Well, once again, I got to check my my feet for web feet because uh, it's starting to rain again. Let us the year in history going back to uh, 1890. So that's recorded history. So that's a lot. <laughs> um, anyway, we we uh, you know I always talk about uh, getting to my web page, which you know if you go to uh, Google or Bing and hit uh, Tim Hayes Radio, I show up. And there's look, there's a really good piece out there right now. It's called Healthcare Conference, and we have both days one and two, and there's some really good ideas in there. Remember, healthcare has not done anything since about two thousand, the end of two thousand fifteen, when Hillary gave her famous tweet, and our fair uh, uh, F, uh, Federal Reserve Chairman uh, said that uh, she thought biotechs were over overvalued, which, by the way, isn't her job. Uh, but it's a really good piece, and and it was a great conference, and there's some really really good ideas. Tim Hayes personally thinks in that uh, in that piece. So, also, you know, we have our dividend growth portfolio, our top ideas. Um, we have a newsletter that comes out every month. Uh, it's not not something we're going to harass you with or anything like that. So uh, whatever. Our prime income list. Uh, just so you know, our prime income list does have a couple master limited partnerships on it. Uh, so for those who guys don't like those. Uh, you know, if you don't like deal, waiting for the K one, um, there's something you have to deal with. You know, um, there's another piece called rewriting uh, retirement, and I think that's something that uh, anybody from forty to sixty should be reading. Uh, it's it's a great piece. I, I reviewed part of it on the show. Uh, I've read it like three times. I think it's it's probably one of the best pieces that RBC's ever put out. Uh, so it's available. Uh, you got to email me or or give me a call. Um. I didn't start out with my normal uh, uh, quote, so let's let's start with uh, Benjamin Disraeli, uh, the British statesman and prime minister. Nurture your mind with great thoughts, for you will never go any higher than you think. There we go. Uh, Alan Robinson, who's our uh, head international guy, uh, came up with some uh, active allocation portfolio and asset allocation select portfolio changes, and I thought it was kind of interesting um, that the ADR portfolio that we've been talking about posted its best gains since its inception in 2011 uh, for the quarters or the uh, for the year. I mean, so the portfolio has beaten its benchmarks each of the month of the year so far. So it's making up most uh, for the monthly uh, underperformance December and October. So that's a good thing. And if you'd like that ADR po- uh, portfolio, uh, please let us know. Also, like I said, you go to Bing or Google Tim Hayes. If you want to call eight 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 two two three seven seven four two. That's 888-223-7742. You know, according to the Internet Advertising Bureau and the PricewaterhouseCoopers, Internet advertising revenues in the U.S. hit $107 billion last year. That's the first time it made it past $100 billion, so that's a lot. Uh, and over 3,500 uh, mergers were announced globally, worth a total of $802 billion in the first quarter. That's a 15% decrease from last year. So uh, people aren't buying. They're, you know, I think there's so much uncertainty out there. That's why they're, you know, you don't see the stock market going anywhere or anything like that. So, uh, some 40 million an hour in goods crosses in from the U.S. from Mexico. Uh, the U.S. imposed uh, 346.5 billion in goods from uh, Mexico in 2018. Uh, I'm sorry, imported, uh, which is a lot of money. You know, so uh, that's why the Mexicans were <laughs> uh, pretty fast to say, "Hey, hey, what can we do to help?" Uh, you know, economists and market pundits have been uh, have clear beliefs regarding how the economy works. And in the view of many, growth uh, peaks when the economy is fully utilizing resources. For example, you know, historically, when labor force unemployment increases 
lead to wage growth, resulting in higher inflation and ultimately higher interest rates. And this leads to a slower economy and a cycle begins anew, et cetera, et cetera. In the past, companies were able to pass on higher wages uh, in the form of increased prices, creating a strong correlation between wages and inflation. In recent years, however, that correlation has materially declined, and now the economy is able to operate on low unemployment and low inflation. What is driving the change, I guess, is the question. And uh, Look, traditional economists are mystified. It seems that the, the answer may uh, lie in the rapidly changing technology landscape, which I think is a good point. Uh, increased pricing transparency also uh, due to wide uh, availability of, of anything you want online. Uh, so you're, you're seeing less and less chance for people to uh, price gouge, shall we say. And the downward price pressure from technology may cause lower U.S. inflation than uh, traditional economic models would imply. So structurally, lower inflation would turn into support equity valuations, just so you know. And look, I I also think there's one other thing is that the Fed has been taking a lot of money. You know, we had quantitative easing. Now we're having quantitative tightening. And they're also paying a half a percentage point on all the reserves. So if you're a bank, you know, why take risks? Get a half a percentage point and go, okay? So, um. People were asking me, Tim, you know, how do you run a portfolio? Well, I usually run portfolios, and it's been a tough couple of years. I mean, since January of 2018, we haven't hit a new high, and I've had a couple of stocks that I had to, you know, that I got beat up on. Um, but what I normally do is I use a combination of ETFs, specially managed accounts, i.e., Marshfield and people like that, and uh, a few mutual funds and uh, uh, stocks. Now, I usually use bonds, but bonds are a tough uh, scenario right now because. Um, you know, it it's hard when interest rates are at an all-time low, dating back to the beginning of the United States of America. It's hard to go out there and tell you to buy them because if interest rates start to go up, remember, as interest rates go up, bond prices go down, okay? So you, there could be some capital at risk. So you want to stay short or you want to do what, what we call a, uh, a ladder approach, have multiple maturity, so you always have something coming due, so you you negate interest rate risk. All right, so there we go. Anyway, um, you know, I, I I was looking at uh, at the cable companies and the entertainment companies, and and there's an arm race going on. You know, cable t- television subscriptions have declined 11 percent since 2016. Uh, this process, what they you know they call cord cutting. And moving to cloud-based streaming services in a generational shift that we believe is likely to persist. Okay, so seventy percent of all the Emmy-nominated com- uh, comedies uh, and dramas this year came from streaming platforms and not from traditional networks. Uh, consumers are now chasing content, and content spend has exploded among all the providers, which which doesn't make sense because the guys that are producing the content, uh, the traditional people. Their P.E. ratios are going down, which is, is kind of interesting. Sports and live events continue to bolster, uh, bolster traditional TV, but I don't know how long that's going to last. And, uh, look, I think we – I believe investors can look to the infrastructure, the fiber providers, uh, to drive the ecosystem. So that's the 5G we talked about, okay? You know, I was looking at uh, the American Association of Individual Investors sentiment surveys, and we um, – uh, you know, one of the things that – you you look at is the bearish, the bullish, and the neutral. And and the bullish uh, people have gone down to basically 24. Now, the last time was this low. Well, we took off like a bat out of you-know-where. Uh, it was the end of 2016. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens here. Uh, you know, and I, I also got a question, and this is from Al. He asked uh, Tim, there's a looming shortfall in Social Security uh, funding. What what are what's some sound uh, advice uh, for the future? And I look, I don't think uh, the government's that stupid to let that go down. I don't know, but look, what you have to do is use. You got to think long term. Buy high quality stocks. And look, I talk about insiders on the show all the time, and and you know this last year the insiders that you know have bought more stock than ever, but some of them have been really wrong. And usually they're very, very right. So it's been it's been a tough market because you have these step up moves, and then you go sideways, and then these sideways moves you got these lookout belows. Okay, and so it's tough to be a long term investor sometimes. 
but uh, you, usually, uh, you know, you'll go ahead. But, you know, maximize your 401k, especially if you're, uh, or at least go to what your employer matches. And But ma- maximize it makes sense. You know, working with money that the government hasn't touched is really important, I think. Uh, so here's something, uh, just a couple things that I'm I'm seeing, okay? You know, back when I first started this show, I talked about uh, oil was 10 bucks. And I and I said that oil was just six percent of the S and P five hundred, and that the technology stocks were twenty seven or twenty eight percent. Well, on CNBC at three ten on Thursday the thirteenth, uh, they said this: energy is now below five percent of the S and P five hundred weighting. It's the lowest level ever. Is energy on the way out? Uh, I don't know the answer to that one, but that's what they're saying. They said the same thing, by the way, in 2000, that the Internet would change everything. Uh, Technology, on the other hand, is 26.8% waiting in the S&P 500. History doesn't often repeat itself, but a lot of times it rhymes. Uh, Our good friend Jeffrey Gunlock, who's made some pretty good election calls, thinks that Joe Biden will not win the Democratic convention or uh, Democratic uh, nomination. Sorry about that. now, this is the guy that called Trump. Uh, he, he he made some great calls. He said Bernie would not be, you know, Hillary would uh, beat Bernie. Um, and he he said Trump was going to be our president like a year before it happened, before he even won the the, the uh, nomination. So uh, he, he said 70% of the voters in the Democratic Party will not, you know, vote for him. So, um, look. I'm pretty apprehensive right now, but I, I'm also pretty bullish. And, and look, I have some favorable factors. The Federal Reserve policy, if they do lower rates next week, which I'm not sure they're going to, uh, that's, that would be great. A lack of inflationary pressure right now and a healthy consumer. The risks are declining business sentiment, the trade standoff, and debt. So it, it's hard, you know, uh, but, you know, you want to pay close attention to what I just said there. Uh so some key thoughts. Uh, we did have an energy conference this week. I've got the notes. I haven't read, uh, read them yet. I'm going to do that this weekend. So uh, I'll let you know if that's a good one to grab, too. Uh, also, uh, you know, there's there's a trade war going on, and, and the tools of a trade war, you have both the U.S. and, and the China digging in. And so it's going to get interesting pretty soon here. And I think, you know, if, if you're – you get some pressure politics going on, okay? So the U.S. goal with all its tariff pressure was to – Convince China to implement economic reforms, and if it doesn't happen by the by uh, about midway through this year, uh, things are going to get really interesting. So, there there are some discontents out there. There's been some cormish, uh, corporate skirmishes. Uh, what it does is it provides very poor visibility ahead, and that is what I consider the major problem uh, with what's going on here. So, when when we're uncertain of things, the stock market goes any doesn't go anywhere and that's what it's been doing since january 28th of 2018 stay tuned we'll be right back this is smart investor show sipc okay we're back if you just tuned in this is the smart investor show i'm tim hayes and i uh, look i um uh, i'm talk about something i haven't talked about really in depth in a long long time but uh I was looking at that chart of gold. And, uh, I mean, it could go either way right at the moment, but it does look like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at some of the technicals and I'm seeing some stuff that uh, that makes me think that gold may break out. And if it does, I think it'll be a pretty bullish breakout. Now, this is Tim Hayes' opinion, uh, I, although I, I think Bob Dickey feels the same way. I think, he, you know, I, I talked about his uh, indicators last week and he was talking about, you know, if, if gold were to break out, it'd be, it'd be a positive. But... Uh, uh, we've been in a sell signal uh, on a couple of the indicators, uh, and we're very close to breaking away from that, which would be very, very positive. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's getting interesting with gold, and, and I don't think it's it's done. Now, also, I think uh, everybody asked me about Bitcoin. And remember, I, I said I Bitcoin had stopped going down at the end of the year, and it does look like Bitcoin has gone above old resistance so it should have some more to go and i noticed some people like uh our former treasury secretary and uh some some other people um have have not treasury secretary i mean uh um 
economic uh, counsel for the president have got involved in uh, raising money. So that, that'll be also be interesting too. Uh, but uh, you know, the grayscale and all the rest of them are starting to go. But uh, I tell you right at the moment, uh, gold is something I really like. The stochastics are turning up. Uh, so if we broke, you know, like 1370 on gold, which I think may happen all in one day, uh, things could get really interesting because, you know, I'm, I'm like, uh, you know, GDX, uh, who had a tight base and then broke out. Okay. Uh, that was very, very positive. Uh, the GDX is the gold miners index. Um, the dollar has been having, uh, you know, it's still in an uptrend long term, but it broke down short term. Uh, uh, it's a short term up, up, uh, uptrend. So the other thing I noticed is that in the month of June, the S&P is up 5%, which is unbelievable that going up that fast, but the materials are up 10%. So here, here's that value versus growth story that we've been talking about on the show for a pretty long time. Uh, and you know, we're also seeing like things like specialty finance and, and, uh, financials starting to look pretty good on their charts. So, you know, financials are the definition of value. <laughs> Just so you know. Uh, now I, I, I do think, you know, the S and P was rolling over and then, uh, the vice chair of the fed said he didn't want them to be the cause of a next recession. And we rallied up very, very quickly. Uh, four days, as a matter of fact, uh, we gave, we, made up all the stuff we lost in May, almost all of it. But there are some indicators on the S&P 500 that are starting to turn over. Uh, and I, I'm also seeing the money flow out of some of the major technology stocks start to shrink. So I don't know if that, that, that'll maintain or whatever, but uh, you know, just so you all know what, what we're thinking. And, and this is me talking out loud. This is not me telling you to uh, you know, uh, jump on board anything or you know, jump off of something right at the moment. But um, a lot of the gains in the last two and a half years have been those subscription software companies that I talked about. So those would be the ones I'd be watching fairly ca- carefully. I mean, a couple have blown up. Uh, I actually sold Nutanix and it got, it got hit pretty hard. Um, and uh, there's a couple names out there that have really b- been up big. So uh, Roku, Coupa uh, software, uh, rapid seven, you know, stuff like that. They've, they've been really big winners, Adobe, uh, so you just you, you want to make sure when it's all one group, you know, you got to watch because it has been more or less one group. Now, uh, somebody asked me about evaluating uh, ETF trading liquidity, and I, I thought this was kind of interesting. I mean, if you look at the XLG, which is the largest companies, it has Apple 29 million shares, Amazon 4.2 million shares, Berkshire Hathaway 3.4, Facebook 15.8, and Microsoft 23.4. Now, there is a lot of hidden liquidity. You know, you, you look at it, you just see the top of it, so you, you think there's not as much liquidity. But there is hidden liquidity underneath, okay? So uh, pe- people don't understand how they're made and how they're torn apart. Now, one of the problems with ETFs is that if you have a you know an XLG, when they sell the ETF, they sell the stocks inside it. So if you own the stocks inside it, like one of the things, you know, I own a small defense company, which happens to be a small position, which is big for the company, uh, but a small position in the defense contractors ETFs. And when Boeing was sold off, uh, all those things got sold off. All right. So uh, there you go. The other thing I'm seeing a lot of is what they call a shakeout pattern. And uh, shakeout patterns are kind of interesting because what you have is, you know, they go up and it looks like they're going to break a double top and then they reverse down. And they, they put one extra O on. So they let's say you had three O's in the column before you put the fourth one on. And then it reverses back up and breaks a triple top. And I've been seeing more and more of those patterns. And I got a whole list of companies uh, uh, that look really, really good um, in that area. So it's, uh, you know, some big, big names, okay, uh, that have looked really, really good in uh, that area. Uh, I've also, well, let's put this, well, I won't go there. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I did on the Dow, there's what is known as a PMO. If you don't know what it is, it did cross over to the downside. So it's a, it's a price momentum oscillator. That's kind of a sell signal. So, uh, you know, I'll leave, leave that up to you guys. That's, that's what Tim Hayes has been watching. And, uh, we'll take it from there. And I can't find my spot. Hold on. (laughs) 
Uh, I am noticing that the big, the major uh, consumer companies, consumer staple companies, are breaking out across the board. I don't know how long that's going to last, but uh, they haven't done much for a pretty long time. So it'll be interesting to see if that continues. Now, look, we had a six and a half point, a six and a half percentage point surge last week. And I guess the question is, did it move the markets too far too fast? Once the machines get going, you know, the problem is, is when you have these, you know, there's, there's no uptick rule. The shorts can just continue to beat companies down. And then when the, when you get an uptick in the market, the machines drive it faster than it should. So it's, it's very difficult, uh, you know, to, to sell out. Okay. Uh, especially when you got a stock that gets hit pretty hard. And a lot of stocks have been gapping down, which is a problem. Uh, but are they the next ones to go up? I mean, look, I had a couple of small biotechs that I own that were sitting around two, three bucks. One went to 15. I had one that was, uh, you know, like a $2 stock went down to, to 30 cents and went to four. Okay. So some of these things are bouncing very, very quickly because the sh- there's a lot of people short. And if something good happens, they're in trouble. The shorts are in trouble. So just remember that. Uh, so from a straight, uh, stand, uh, trading standpoint, uh, I think a near-term pause would not be surprising for the S&P. And uh, the question is, you know, what's happening with the technology stocks? I mean, they're now they're 27% almost of the S&P 500. So inner-term momentum uh, is on track uh, to bottom, I think, in the third quarter. I don't think we're there yet. Okay. So I'm just looking at the charts and tell, and, and I see equities bottoming intermediate term. Okay. Bond yields are really oversold and, and, uh, the U.S. dollar seems to be weakening quite a bit. So, um, technology leadership remains intact. I am, like I said, I am see, starting to see some money flow. Now there's a couple stocks that have broken out. Uh, those I think will be leaders. So I don't, I don't think you want to mess with those. And the financials have yet to definitely reverse their, their uh, relative downside course, okay? So uh, utilities and REITs have outperformed pretty big. So I just think you got to keep your eye on this four-year cycle. You know, every four years we go sideways for about two years, and then we, we rally up for a couple of years. Uh, I think we're getting closer and closer to that rally. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I've been talking about the sloppy trading. Boy, May was very sloppy. Uh, you know, I think the S&P 500 versus bonds – the S&P 500 is still the place to be. I am seeing the weekly momentum, uh, the quadrant balance momentum, is down, oversold, and, and starting to turn up. Uh, but then again, I have the weekly momentum unwinding. So it's it's really getting complicated. Uh, uh, if I look at cyclicals versus defense sectors, um, you know, they've been turning down. So the question is, will they reverse back up? And growth versus value, growth took off again. So uh, they're going back to the same old names, which, you know, uh, when you're this high up uh, um, in the in the growth side, it's it's a question. OK, so, the uh, you know, I talked about uh, international markets. They've turned up a little bit and they turn back. They, they correct a little bit. And then now they're turning look like they're turning back up a bit. Um, the bond yields are at major support. And, uh, you know, uh, I think Bob Dickey was right. He said there'd be a two-handle before there'd be a three-handle again. And uh, so he, he hit that nail on the head. The, the relative strength or RSI momentum is, again, really deeply oversold. So I don't think I'd be buying treasuries right now uh, if I were you. I don't know. if uh, CDs kind of work with those, so that's another thing. I did notice if I look back to April of 2017 or 18, I guess it is, uh, the dollar had a nice uptrend. It's broken that uptrend. So... Uh, it hasn't broken the long-term uptrend, but the short-term it has. Uh, crude oil futures bottomed on that, by the way, you know, because when the dollar goes down, commodities go up. And gold, you know, like I, I said, 1370 on gold would be a major breakout, and I think that'd be something I'd be one to participate with. And I, I looked at the uh, heat map, is what we call it, but uh, I've been noticing improvements in financials, utilities, real estate, staples, healthcare, and materials, and weakening in, in information tech, and industrials, uh, and energy. So, uh, you know, those are more cyclical areas. Um, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, tech relative performance actually broke down and then took reverse right back up. So that's good. Uh, and same with semiconductors, although they got beat up last week, uh, both Thursday and Friday. There's a couple out there that, um, it's, there are interesting charts. They look at exactly like they did in 2015 and 16. 
almost the exact same formation. So it'll be interesting to see if they break out the new highs like they did um, in 2000, you know, late 2016. Uh, but I mean, the chart patterns are almost identical and it, it's on some big names. And we did see a little bit, uh, the beginning with the financials, they're beginning to challenge the 2008, 2009 uptrend. So that's pretty good too. Broker dealers have broken through and, and you know, the broker dealers look like the place to be. Um, the industrial sector, uh, relative performance is not there yet. Uh, what's interesting is utilities. Uh, here, here they keep going up, but their relative performance versus the S&P 500 is, is, is in a downtrend. So uh, they are one of the leaders. You know, uh, back when we hit a new high for four minutes back in uh, uh, last week of April, early May, uh, you know, there was 14 stocks that hit a new high, and, and eight of them were utilities or REITs. And uh, so, you know, those are interest rate sensitive stocks. Okay, uh, listen, we'll be right back when we talk about the bullish percent. Stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Okay, we're back. You just tuned in. This is Smart Investor Show. Once again, if you heard just the first, you know, this part of the second section, you want to hear the whole thing. I believe it's either Monday or Tuesday at noon they podcast this. Uh, so we go from, if we go to WHK 1420 AM on, on your internet dial, uh, and then you go to local podcast, go down to Tim Hayes, it'll take you directly to my webpage, number one. Number two, uh, it podcasts all the shows going back a while, okay? So um, we'll leave it at that. And um, it, the, the webpage has a lot of stuff on it, Bob Dickey. Uh, his, his daily chart analysis, uh, you know, he's our head technician, does a great job. I think, you know, I, I think Friday he talked about, you know, the rates having support where they are right now. We have a weekly newsletter and a quarterly newsletter. We have uh, some information on interest rates. You know, we've, we've been the firm saying interest rates were going to stay down lower for longer, and we've been right so far anyway. So, uh, uh, you know, we're allowed to change our minds now too. Um, when everybody else was talking, you know, when we were 3.2% in the 10 year and everybody else talking 5%, we were talking two and a quarter. <laughs> well, it's 2.08 right now. So we're, you know, got a two handle before we got a five handle. That's what we've been saying. So good information there. Take a look. Uh, by the way, there's also uh, contact me, email me. So if you want to have a cup of coffee or you want to talk about your portfolio, please, uh, let's, let's have a cup of coffee or, uh, sit down and just talk. Um, so we talk about the bullish percent, and all it is 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 a, a a way to gauge risk, okay? And what what they des- decided way back when in the in the 30s was that if you the number of stocks on a point and figure chart start to turn up, that's a good sign for the economy. When they start to turn down, it's it shows a period of distribution. Now, what's interesting about this is it was designed uh, by a protege of J- Charles Dow, and it goes from zero to 100. Above 70 is the red zone. That's when everybody's talking about their portfolio. You know, it's going to the moon and the market's going to 20 million and, uh, you know, all the rest of that. That's when you should be frightened. Uh, when you're below 30, uh, that's when you should be scared. I mean, that, that's when you should be bullish, okay? That's when everybody else is scared. That's what I meant to say. Uh, also, when you're a column of X's, you have the offensive team on the field. You can run plays depending on where you are. If you're below 30, you can throw for the long bomb, okay? Uh, when you're above above 50 or 60, you want to hand it off to the fullback a little bit. Now we're now currently in a column of O's. Uh, we did have a big up week. We were up 4% for the week. We won't turn around till we hit 48. We did the same thing with the over the counter index, which had held out the most. And now is a column of O's again. Uh, it was up 1.7% and, but it won't turn around till 42. It's at 37. And then the world index uh, was up 1.7, but it's got six percentage points to go. It won't turn around to 44, it's at 38. But all the BP charts remained unchanged for the week, basically, because they didn't break any, you know, we didn't put an extra O or, uh, or X on. And the and the point, uh, the PT indicators remained unchanged for the week, too. So that's kind of interesting. Now, a couple things that I saw that happened that I thought were kind of bullish uh, was the New York high-low reversal. New York Stock Exchange, you know, it's number of new highs versus number of new lows. It had been at 90 and went all the way down to 40, uh, 42 and reversed up into a column of X's this week. So it'll be interesting to see if that holds. 
Uh, the last two days of the week, there was a lot more uh, new lows than new highs. <laughs> so I don't know how long that will last. And then I, I noticed that the bullish percent for the S&P 500, not the New York Stock Exchange bullish percent, but it turned into a column of O's at uh, 50. Now, this is much more volatile than the New York Stock Exchange uh, index. You know, we're talking about 3,500 stocks versus 500. So there we go. Um, you know, the, the QQQs really got hammered in May. Um, and that's generally it's, it's about 44% information technology, 21% communication services, some consumer discretionary, 16%, uh, 7%, 8% healthcare, consumer staples, 6%. Industrials two and a half, utilities point three, and financials point three. Uh, so it, it really got hammered. It went from one ninety down to all the way down to one seventy. Uh, so it was almost a twelve percent hit. Now it it was the the index that hit the new high for you know the four minutes I talked about. Uh, so you know what I think you want to be looking at is is maybe if we're going to reverse back up, you want to take a look at some of the you know some buys in that area because. Technology is still number one. Industrials are number two. The most improved was healthcare and real estate, and then energy is dead last. So um, it'll be int- utilities are number three. By the way, uh, the, the industrials and utilities are bouncing back and forth. So it'll be interesting to see how that that goes. But look, I, I'm seeing some sector revocation uh, in, in response to uh, the rise in re- real estate strength. You know, I, I talked to a lot of people about real estate last spring and, and not too many people wanted to buy. I don't know why, but uh, they had, they've done really well. I, I only bought a, a few uh, ideas, but they've done very, very well. Um, but, you know, the total return has basically been an in information technology for the most part, and then real estate number two, and then consumer discretionary, industrials, consumer staple, financials, and then finally, healthcare is dead last. And that's why I think healthcare could be, uh, you know, Last time we talked about this was in 2017, and, and healthcare led the way for a while. Um, so uh, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, with finance, with information technology now 26.7% of the S&P 500, it's a pretty high number. And usually I've seen when things get over 25%, you got to be careful. Uh, and, you know, value is, is now below where it was in 2000 versus growth. So got to be more... Uh, Take a little bit more time and watch. Most of the indexes have been negative for about six weeks on weekly momentum. However, they still look pretty good as far as, uh, as you know, they're still in the column of X's, you know, that type of stuff. And some of the foreign markets have been turning, but they're still in a column of O's. So, it, you know, it's it's for bottom fishers only, as I said earlier. Um, now, the S&P 500 went right up to a new high and then backed off. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know, it hasn't broken through the new highs. It's it's touched the old high. So for a year and a half now, uh, we've basically gone nowhere. All right. Now, if we look at the the different groups, uh, this is a startling scenario. As you may recall, January twenty eighth of two thousand eighteen, we had twenty nine groups favored. Today we have four. So. Everybody's saying, you know, how, how come your portfolio is not doing well? Well, there's only four groups that are working. Electric utilities are at 70. Remember, you know, that's the hot zone. Uh, waste management's at 60. Uh, so there's still probably room to run there. Protection services are at 50. And telecom is at 30, uh, 35. So uh, we do have a lot of groups underneath 30 now. Uh, these are not favored. But what you're looking for these to turn up, and that's steel, transportation, uh, textiles, drugs, retail, oil, oil service, and precious metals. By the way, about half of those, uh, you know, textiles, steel, oil, oil services, precious metals, and transportations are value stocks. Okay. Uh, now, we did have a couple other things occur. I, I don't think we had anything even pop its head into the favored sector area. Uh, medical went to average. Drugs, steel, and transportation are unfavored completely. So there we go. Uh, did notice one thing, uh, Europe. You know, we talked about the ADR list, and we've been, we talked about it for about three months, and, and, and or three weeks, I'm sorry. And, it, you know, a, a lot of the ADRs uh, and a lot of the ETFs from Europe popped. Uh, some of them broke their downtrend line. There's a couple out there that, um, but they're, they're the minimum volatility type stocks. 
So nobody's making big bets, but they are looking at, uh, you know, minimum volatility. So um, it's it'll be interesting to see if it broadens out. If and maybe finally, you know, after three years of uh, two, three years of everybody talking about the international set picking up, you know, we 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 got near the bottom of the EEM uh, and we got near the bottom of China, but uh, China went up and came straight back down. It's still low, you know, still we're up about four or five percent from where we recommended it. E, the EEM is still up, so that's good. But um, we we are seeing, you know. Um, some of these, you know, especially like, you know, Switzerland uh, really was is heavily overbought, but uh, it did pick up. So that's a good sign. So, uh, look, fixed income. I mean, if anything, if I had a U.S. Treasuries <laughs> mutual fund, I don't know if I'd be sticking around. I mean, I don't think they're I don't think you're going to get killed. And I just don't see why you want to uh, hold on to something that's giving you a 2 percent yield or 2.08 percent yield. Uh, where there ain't a whole lot of chance, I think, of, you know, capital gains from here. Um, you know, uh, who knows? Uh, you know, the actual yield is 2%. You know, do, do we hit uh, do we hit three and a quarter, th- four? If that would happen, then you get beat up pretty bad. So I think the treasuries are not where you want to be, especially the 10-year treasury. I wouldn't be messing with that at all. I mean, you got to remember, at the beginning, uh, well, in October, we were at 32 uh, we're now at 2.08. I mean, oh, if you were long treasuries at that point and you were long the futures, you made a fortune. Uh, as far as commodities are concerned, uh, oil's been negative for for seven, eight weeks now. Um, a lot of the commodity index has been, been negative, although one, uh, the Dorsey Wright commodity index went positive this week. Gold's been positive for about four weeks. Copper just keeps getting killed. And, and corn is up uh, five weeks in a row. A lot of people uh, involved in corn are, uh, you know, uh, making money simply because it's really wet. It's really wet. So um, I was going to do an international thing, but I don't don't think I have time for that. So let's talk about weekly relative strength changes. You know, we talk about this. This is where you want to get your, you know, look, I I think you want to pay attention to this because sometimes these things last for a long time. Let's talk about Danaher. Danaher uh, printed an all-time new high for the stock this week. And it, when it went positive, uh, you know, it, it's, I can't even remember how many weeks it's been. I, I think it's been like, uh, well, the movies that were on back then were Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, Sleepless in Seattle, and Free Willy. Uh, the, the, the radio was The Walkman, and the price of a Domino's pizza, two toppings, was nineteen ninety nine, and the cost of a Super Bowl ad was 850 bucks. Things have changed a little bit. And it's still on a on a on a you know a uh, relative strength buy signal. So on the buy side, we had Osis Systems, Under Armour, Zillow Group, Big Insider Buys, La Jolia Pharmaceutical. The insiders bought a lot of that; it doubled. Kiwi uh, PLC, Zillow, a lot of insider buys just this week. We're going to talk about that in a second. And CRISPR Therapeutics and Athenex, and we talked about the insider buys there. On the sell side, these are the ones you want to check your your uh, numbers on. Guest, Leaf, Semocentrics, uh, Immersion Technology, Mobile uh, Mini, Murphy Oil, True Blue, Vanda, Venom Energy, uh, Kayla Pharmaceuticals, Denali Therapeutics, and Wow, Wide Open West. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Uh, if you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show, and uh, I'm Tim Hayes. And uh, like like I said, uh, if you'd like to sit down and talk about your portfolio, and look, portfolio just doesn't mean stocks. It means bonds. It means your insurance products. Uh, you know, I tell you, insurance is getting cheaper. Uh, there's a there's a new portfolio out from Pacific Life. Uh, in the insurance area that I really like uh, for those of you who are just can't stand to watch the market uh, or, uh, you know, don't know when to buy your bonds, et cetera. It's a pretty good uh, scenario. So uh, they're, they're out there. There's some good ideas out there. Uh, but especially in um, if you have insurance, uh, you know, and you're, you're looking to see if you can reduce the cost, believe me, insurance has got much cheaper uh, simply because the, the actuary tables are much more accurate. Uh, 
So anyway, uh, we talk about insiders a lot. And um, look, um, insiders are right more than analysts. Okay? A lot more by about 10, 12%. However, uh, this year, you know, we've had more insiders buy than any other time I can remember. And I'm including people like Warren Buffett to be insiders. I don't know if they are or not, but, uh, and I've seen a lot of them wrong, right? Uh, Mr. Buffett had uh, Teva Pharmaceuticals or Teva, depending on how you pronounce it. Um, He also had Kraft Heinz. He's getting beat up. As a matter of fact, Berkshire Hathaway hasn't gone anywhere since we peaked in 2000, uh, January of 2018. Uh, But there's been other people. I mean, uh, you know, we talked on this show of GE and Nelson Peltz at Tryon. He bought $2 billion worth of stock around 23 bucks. He just gave it up at 950. So he took $2 billion and turned it into about $800,000, $800 million. Or two, you know, that, that, that's a hit. Okay. And this guy's not stupid. You know, this is the guy that was jumping all over Procter and Gamble at 80, which is now 111. So he's a smart man. He's better, you know, he bought Wendy's at $2 and sold it at 15. He knows what he's doing. Okay. So, uh, and by the way, Warren Buffett knows what he's doing. But I've seen a lot of insiders get beat up. Uh, and it's unusual. Uh, and it's interesting because they're still buying. So I don't know what they're seeing, but the turnaround, uh, you would think the turnaround would be coming. Uh, and by the way, these people are smart people, by the way. Uh, I did notice that Johnson Johnson uh, and Cisco Systems both had sizable box uh, uh, stock buys this week from their newest directors. And... Uh, you know, uh, J&J is lagging behind the S&P 500, but uh, uh, the director was Marilyn Houston. She uh, bought 3,000 shares, which was about 419,000. Uh, Cisco, you know, which is, is up big this year. I own a lot of it. Uh, Wes Bush, who's Northrop Grumman's, by the way, uh, current chairman and former CEO, he was added to the board on the 21st of May. Uh, he paid uh, 10, he bought 10,000 shares at for 557,000 shares, or dollars. So those are the first purchases in those stock in a while, so it's kind of neat to see that. You like to pay attention. And Teva Pharmaceuticals, we talked about Saul Baber. Uh, you know, he bought twice uh, but uh, for a million dollars each time. Now, Saul is the chairman emeritus at at, uh, at Teva, a very bright guy, knows his stuff. Uh, uh, you know, Warren Buffett bought this at uh, 18 and then bought it somewhere at 21. Uh, and he's got about a – he owns 4.5% of the company, so, you know, Saul's a pretty smart guy. But we had nine other people buy 17,216 shares with, with options. So that turns out to be about 154,000 shares or about 1.23 million. And these are the guys that run the company. These are the CFOs, the human resources, you know, people that know a lot, we'll just say, okay? Uh, also, um, we have uh, Alder Biopharmaceuticals, which we have a recommendation on, uh, and we we had one two three four five six six people buy twenty two thousand five hundred shares and uh, a lot of more directors and uh, that adds up to uh, the stock's around twelve so uh, adds up just to, to a hair under a million but it's a lot of people buying and Remax uh, which we you know Zillow and Remax we've been seeing some insider buyers of we had uh, the chairman buy seven point five million dollars worth and we had then another uh, this is. Uh, the Lingers, by the way, uh, the family, uh, both he and his wife bought another 1.375 this week. So there we go. Uh, and MGM, we had uh, another buy there of uh, about one, 1.2 million. You know, there was big buys all last week, which we talked about. And then uh, also uh, Lionsgate. Man, these guys are buying. This stock keeps hitting new lows every time. And, and they, you know, they bought at 18 and and they're bu- they bought it uh, fifteen sixteen they bought it thirteen and a half the other day and it got killed, but the uh, a director and officer just bought four hundred eleven uh, four hundred eighteen thousand shares, uh, and then John Fol- uh, Feltheimer, who's the chief executive just bought some and the CFO bought seventy eight thousand and then three or four other people who have bought eight to ten thousand so uh, I don't know what's going on with Lionsgate but uh, they just keep pressing it down so now here's ones for your. All you guys that like to uh, roll the dice. Transatlantic P- Petroleum. 
the CEO bought $5.2 million worth, which was about 6.6 million shares. Uh, and then the chairman uh, emeritus of Entercom Communications uh, bought another $1.556 million with three purchases. Remember, he's been, he's been buying for, from 10 down, so it's now 6 bucks, and he's still buying. That's what I'm talking about. you got a lot of guys you know, selling. Uh, and also Symantec. Um, you know, we, we had uh, Vincent Pellet, who's the CFO, he bought 115,000 shares and another 206. You know, and Starboard Value owns like $7 billion worth of stock, so it's, you know, Starboard's pretty smart money. But uh, we had a, a bunch of other people, one, two, three. We had uh, one guy buy 37,000, one buy 11,000, one buy 19,000, one buy 17,000. So uh, some pretty smart people have been buying quite a bit of Symantec, and Starboard also owns a lot of it. Um, I also noticed that Harold Hamm bought another $1.5 million worth of Continental Resources. And uh, Jana Partners had bought a 5% position in Callaway Golf. So it'll be interesting to see, that, you know, they're, oh, I'm sorry, a 9% position. I said f- 5 Uh They believe sh- shares are undervalued. And then uh, got three more here. Uh, Occidental. We had the senior vice president and chief operating officer buy 480,000 shares. Uh, the president and CEO buy 1.8 and two others buy 440. So that's a lot of, a lot of stock. And Athene Holdings, we just talked about that as a, a relative strength buy. The chairman, CEO, and et cetera, et cetera, bought two, uh, 2 million and a director bought 1 million. Another director bought 200,000. So we're seeing some stuff there. Document security. This is another low price one. The chairman bought a million dollars worth or 200 shares. Randall Kirk continues to buy in Trexon. Uh, this stock has made a big move. I mean, it's four and a half to seven and a half, I think. Uh, he paid five twenty four for another three hundred twenty two thousand shares. Turned out to be eight hundred and five total for the week. And then uh, the Shamors com- Company, which is Basic Materials, the president CEO bought a million dollars worth. It's the first buy there in a long, long time. So. All right, so here's what we're seeing. Uh, we got a couple minutes left. Um, have a lot of insider buys, you know, whether they're right or not. You know, that's like I said, Teva, they're not right. Uh, Transocean, you know, they're they're still buying and they're not right yet. There's quite a few out there. Look, the Treasury note yield uh, on a chart. It appears that the ten-year Treasury may have hit a short-term low uh, near the two percent. It's two percent support. I don't know if it's going to break there or not, but right now it looks looks like that. Like and it. It's so oversold on a momentum basis. So you look at all the relative strength momentum oscillators and all that stuff. Very oversold. So I think I think that will hold. I'm not sure. Um, the S and P 500 made a quick move back on the Fed statements, and we're right at resistance again. So it'll be interesting to see if that holds. I'm seeing a lot of major movers in the market over the last four or five years. They've made lower highs. So they have to reverse that soon, or uh, there could be some negative aspects of that. <laughs> but look, there's a lot of background noise out there. I don't like I said, I I'm 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 worried, but I'm bullish. I know that sounds crazy, but in the stock markets that's where you got to be. I think I'm more worried about the bond market, you know, I like I wouldn't buy bonds right now. I wouldn't buy treasuries, I wouldn't buy CDs. I would look more towards uh municipals held up. I mean, the yields didn't come down nearly as much, not half as much, but if I was going to buy CDs or I was going to buy anything else, I would make sure I looked at a ladder approach. If you don't know what a ladder approach is, give us a call. We'll take care of it. Um, but, you know, the Dow looks like I just think we're just going to be in this trading range until the end of the third quarter. And it's going to continue. So I think interest rates have fallen sharply, but they're at good support. I think oil, uh, there's some support around 50. The biggest support I see is at 42. I don't think, you know, look. If Iran blows up a couple tankers and we only go up a buck, whew, I think the pressure is down to the downside. And gold, the trend is improving here. And and, and if we break through resistance, uh, I think Bob Dickey says 1350, 1360. I'm going to say 1370. That would be a significantly bullish, in my 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 opinion. I think Bob's too. Silver is nowhere to be found, so I don't know. Uh, you know, natural gas is the trend is still down. The dollar is still in a rising trend, but uh, we see in some you know, breakdown short term. So just remember that, um, you know, emerging markets, I, I still think are in a, you know, in a big bottoming process. And, uh, 
you know, same with Europe. It'll be interesting to see if Europe, like I said, it's the minimum volatility, the low volatility stocks that are doing better. So it'll be interesting to see if that, if we start to see some of the other stocks pick up. So we'll see what happens. In the meantime, if you want to uh, talk about your portfolio, and I'm talking insurance, stocks, bonds, the whole kit and caboodle, uh, give us a call at 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. In the meantime, I think we're going to have sloppy trade until the third end of the third quarter. And I'm going to say that again, okay? So you'll probably hear it from here to the end of the third quarter. So what I'd be doing is starting to get ideas. Remember, we had a healthcare conference. Uh, they, we have both days. There was, was some really dynamite ideas there. Uh, healthcare is down and out. I, I love the stuff when it's down and out. Uh, you know, we, we also have the dividend growth portfolio and the prime income list. There are some, a lot of people don't like real estate investment trusts. A lot of people don't like MLPs. There are some MLPs and real estate investment trusts on both those. Uh, our best idea list is a great one right now too. Also our ADR list, uh, is, I'm, um, Paying more and more attention to that because I'm, I'm starting to see some bottoms there. Don't forget, you can sign up for our newsletter. If you go to Bing or Google, Tim Hayes Radio, I show up. You know, uh, my webpage has a lot of things that will contact me, email me, that type of thing. Let's get started. Uh, also, Bob Dickey's on there every day, and we have a newsletter every week. So stay tuned. Uh, by the way, some good hints on cybersecurity on that one, too. Listen, have a great weekend. This is Tim Hayes. Remember, buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.